Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, parent coach to children with special parents who have children with special needs. Now, today I am so excited to have with us Miss Jody Claristenfeld. Did I do that okay? Did it great. Okay, cool. <laughs> Jody is the founder of Flourish, a platform for preemie NICU and special needs parents. She supports, educates, and empowers these parents to get their children the services they need to set them up for success. Is quite often it requires special education and different ways of learning, and but all educators can benefit from kids who learn differently than the norm. So, and she says, more than that, educators need to learn to destigmatize these children. Oh my gosh, that is so important. As many of them are incredibly brilliant and just need an atypical approach to learning. And I fully agree, because like I said to you, you know, my son was premature and yeah, we had to figure that out. Um, so welcome, Miss Jody. Thanks so much for having me, Teresa. I'm looking forward to our chat today. Me too. I mean, I'm 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 super excited. So I want to ask you, why did you start Flourish? I started Flourish because basically a few things. One, I knew our story could be very different than how it turned out, and I feel very fortunate for that. You know, Jenna was born 12 weeks early and there's a huge, I'll say learning curve or a huge, um, I'll say influx of information that you never knew existed just by virtue of, of having your child born earlier than expected. And we were very fortunate in our journey through the NICU and, you know, since we've been home and I've, thought that there are other parents out there that go through so many things that are similar to us, but maybe don't have the resources or the wherewithal to know how to get their child help. I was surrounded by a great support team who encouraged me to start early intervention right away, to start certain, certain, um, therapies with her as soon as she came home so that I can help her during the pivotal years of growth and development and set her up for success later on in life. And I thought of all the people who maybe don't speak English that are navigating this road or navigating this road and maybe their hospital or their support system just isn't as strong as my own. And at the same time, I felt there shouldn't be a disparity in care because all children deserve, you know, the very best because there's so much hope and they're full of life. Yes. And that is amazing and so needed. Wishing I had you 37 years ago when my son was born prematurely and there weren't these services, you know, we were sent home saying, come back in three months. And I wasn't sure what I was going back in three months for, you know, because at least I don't remember them giving me any information. I was probably so scared, you know, about what was going to happen with my son's future. And I, you know, and then we went in three months and it's like, oh, he's fine. I still didn't know what they were looking for. 
then, you know, back in six months and nine months, and then they're like, he's fine. You don't need to come back. So now I know they were looking at developmental milestones and different things, but I had no idea. And navigating these waters were really scary. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. You know, I, I have to say we were told a lot, but we also were not told a lot. I just did a lot of research on my own and knowing that we live in a place, a time and a place where there's so much out there to get your children help um, that I knew I wanted to help her as soon as she came home from the hospital. That's not to say it was easy because right, government services um, through early intervention are like a very slow boat and take months really to start. And in the meantime, I was like, okay, her growth and development is already started. She's already kind of sort of behind, right? And I need to get her help now. And so I was able to find people who privately, while I was waiting for those other services to um, help us out. And what makes matters worse, even in today's day and age, is that since COVID happened, a lot of providers don't like to come to, to families' homes anymore, or families don't want providers to come to their homes. So you either have to go and seek help elsewhere or not get the help. But I truly, firmly believe that um, my daughter is is doing well because she has gotten this extra love and support since day one. Even I'll say when she was in the NICU, right? It was those doctors and nurses who loved her so much that allowed us to leave her and go home at night, even though we didn't want to. Right, yeah, that is really difficult. Um, I remember, you know, back then when, you know, my son was in the hospital, how challenging it was. And we didn't know where to turn for help because first of all, there was no internet. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of information. So how do you help parents disseminate that information? Because there's so much information out there. So how do you help them navigate that to make it make sense for them? Like to what to, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I, I do. I first, actually, I, I tell people really not to Google. I am, I, I, we, when my daughter was born, she had a couple of different things developmentally. And I, of course, I Googled one of them and I looked at the worst case scenario and I went down a rabbit hole and I was inconsolable. And my husband made me promise him that I wouldn't Google again, just because, right? It's like when you hear an advertisement for a drug company, don't take if you have blah, 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 blah. Or possible side effects are A, B, C, D, all the way up to Z. So it's the same thing on Google. It's not, it is helpful, but to some extent, it's actually really, really a detriment, especially when you're in a fragile state of mind, such as when your child is born early. So what Flourish does is there's a compilation of audio stories that parents can listen to about, I'll say trials and tribulations, but mostly success stories and positivity of parents with children having been in the NICU, given to support parents 
and let them know that they're not alone because you're so isolated when you're in the NICU that the outside world is not even something that you're aware of exists. And you, because of that, the physical becomes mental, right? Feeling that you're so alone. And so I always empower people and tell them that they are not alone because there's a large group of us that exist. Mm -hmm. um, also, we break down resources and therapists state by state, county by county in the United States um, where people can go to get help for their child. On top of early intervention and the CPSE system, there are other private providers and other providers who do take that credit as forms of payment. And I don't know about where you live, but where I live, that system works very slow. So if you can proactively get out ahead of it, right, and try and do your due diligence to get something, some help for your own child, I tell people that's the best thing that, that they can do. And also, I try to really instill in parents that, you know, while this is such a scary and overwhelming time, it's also a beautiful time with your child because you get to witness so many things that you wouldn't necessarily get to witness. Um, and also, I'll say for me and some other moms that I know, it kind of just did a reset on my life and helped me focus more on the what I deem more important things than some of the periphery issues or noise um, going on in my life. Wow, you said so much and it's also amazing. And parents need to hear this because you are right. I work in early intervention in Florida and every day I get a list, like even in my zip code, we've got these many children who need help. And because the list is so long, you know, and everybody's so tapped out, these children wait and they wait and they wait and they wait. So it's great that you have these private providers available to help because like, you know, every moment counts. I mean, I've worked with children who weren't doing something 10 minutes ago, you know, and the parents right. are like, oh gosh, I never thought. It's like, yeah, it is possible, but you have to get there. Um, because I know there's, um, the research shows within those first few years, children um, make a, a million synaptic connections per second. So we have to take advantage of that. And thank you for providing this amazing service because it is so needed. And I see it every day. Yeah. I mean, to your point that you get a list of all the children that need services um, and there's just not enough providers. And that doesn't mean that these children don't need the help. So I try and coach parents and tell them, okay, there are other ways to go and get help while this is still working. Because to your point, the first couple of years are so formative for their growth and development that you kind of don't wanna waste any time. Their brains are like sponges and they learn so much. And studies show too that children who do get these types of therapies end up excelling and doing really well and catch up. 
They certainly do. You know, I have some clients who were diagnosed with autism and would, you know, they were hand flapping in a corner and non-vocal. And today they have scholarships to universities and all these amazing things. And you're like, it is possible. And I just want to wrap my arms around parents to let them know, listen, if you start now, it will have like the, the outcomes are so much more. You're giving your child a better chance at these positive outcomes. But the longer we wait because of fear and all these other things, the more challenging it becomes for you and your child. Yeah. And even um, I'll say too, when it comes to even picking a school for your child, right? Um, even as young as when my daughter went to the twos program, I specifically wanted her to go to a program where the Teachers were more often than not special education trained, had smaller classes, right? So that she could excel. Because I was worried that she would be that child in the corner, not being social and not all that verbal, but, you know, putting her in a situation to set her up for loving school is what all parents should try and do. Absolutely. And, you know, just yesterday I was on Facebook just because I go into different communities of parents who have children with special needs and, you know, to help by giving them tips and that. And so many of the posts, like my child does not like to go to school. My child does not want to go to school. And I thought, oh, if we had, first of all, we can't do anything about the past, but if we knew better back then and how to set them up for that success, like you're talking about, it would make life much easier now. Not to say it may not still happen, but chances are reduced that it would happen. Do you agree? Right. Or maybe maybe they still might not love going to school, but they might like it a little bit much more. Or they might then be in a school that's better equipped to help, you know, your child succeed and do better. Right. That's what it's all about. And I think I think a lot of times parents are afraid or it's kind of like being on the playground, going back to when you were younger, right? Of, oh, well, your child needs to go to that school. Oh, as opposed to, well, who couldn't benefit from extra love and support? I think everyone could, you know, and to have less kids in your classroom and more teachers is wonderful that everyone should be able to have that. I think you know, resetting how you look at things or destigmatizing what it means to go to a school. I tell people all the time, I'm like Albert Einstein, they say was on the spectrum. They just didn't know about it back then. So many people who were brilliant scientists or brilliant businessmen um, had growth and learning de delays. Except for some reason, we, we choose to, as a society, hide our heads under the pillow or put our head in the sand. Yep. Yeah, so true. And it's sad. And, you know, the other point to that, I, I worked previously in a school district and there were, you know, the special needs classes where I thought, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, this child is not ready for school. Yes, they're six and they're in, you know, grade one or whichever grade they're in, but they're not ready. They don't have joint attention. They're, I mean, they're, they don't have the skills, 
that the foundational skills that they need to learn. And here are people trying to teach them. And it's just like putting water in a bucket that has holes. You know, it might catch a few drops, but it's not going to catch all that it could if those holes did not exist. Yes. Yes. And I think, I think that issue goes to aside from the lack of providers or more children needing than what is out there is that parents are just afraid or our parents are ashamed and I choose maybe it's because of the way that that my daughter was born to combat it all head on I'm like come at me tell me what it is let's get it checked out and we could cross it off the list or we can further further review and see what it is that we need to help help us move forward with this this issue. And I think people tend to be more reactive instead of proactive. They tend to be proactive about like soccer or basketball or things like that. But if you don't have good motor planning skills, then you can't play either of those sports, right? And you need to have the foundation in order to be able to do that. Absolutely. And that and that starts very early in life. You know, I, I, I said to my husband, I go, if I were younger, I would have gone back to school and become like a pediatric therapist of, of some sort, because I feel so strongly in help wanting to help children. So to me, creating Flourish was the next best thing that I could do short of going to school. Though I am getting um, my certification in perinatal mental health to help um, parents in, in that respect. Um, but I, I just think that there's such a need out there and, you know, Parents can sometimes just need to get out of their own way and or they just need to advocate better, right? I think there's, it's both, right? Because sometimes people think that if they advocate, they're being perceived as itchy with a B. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> or, um, you know, just being really rude and obnoxious. But the truth is, no, it's your child. You have every right to advocate to get them the help that they need. Absolutely. And I saw it, I've seen it done so well. You know, I remember my first client ever, um, like official client, mm-hmm. and um, we actually got paid to work with. They, I went to an IEP meeting with them. And I know Kate won't mind me saying this, but she was advocating for her daughter to be in an inclusion classroom mm-hmm. did not agree to anything else and you know of course you know this the school staff were like but 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 she doesn't she can't she won't and mm-hmm. she slammed her hand on that table I mean I jumped mm-hmm. and she's like listen this is my daughter and I know what she's capable of and I tell you she worked with her right now you know my girl is in high school and you know <laughs> Just That's do, awesome. you know, and so it's just in like you have to. So I know exactly that. You know, I'm sure they looked at her as like, oh my gosh, she's just being, you know. However, she fought the fight, and um, you know, she and her husband both they fought that fight and they refused to settle for less for their daughter. 
That's my husband and I as well. I mean, even to get Jenna into the school where she is now, like an integrated um, classroom and, and everything, I just kept at it. I was like, you know what? I want to get her into the school. I'm going to keep at it until we get it. She needs the support. She, she needs it and she can't do it for herself. So obviously I'm going to, and if I can't do it for her, then who am I going to do it for? Exactly. Exactly. And that is so key. And, and I think too, though, sometimes parents just don't know how to a- advocate for their children. And that's another important skill that they need to learn, um, which I'm sure you address. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. We teach them that it's okay to be pushy and emphatic because I'll say this from a state perspective, right? Services, they don't want to give away everything for free, right? But justifiably, if your child needs it, fight for it. Absolutely. You know, no one else can can do it but you. And to me, again, it becomes down to that foundation of setting yourself, your child up, excuse me, for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And having them be in a scenario in school or a situation where they like going to school, where they want to socialize, where maybe they're doing sports, but not as fast paced as some of the other kids, right? So that they feel included and like they belong. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, starting early is so, so, so important because there's so many communication skills that children develop even before they start talking. So many, you know, and these skills actually help them develop communication. And, you know, I, like I said, my thing is early intervention. So I'm going to keep just harping on it because again, it provides them with that foundation that they need so they can flourish. Yeah. I mean, I loved our providers so much. I actually cried when it was like our last days with them. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to go on without you. You know, they helped me probably just as much as they helped my daughter. And, you know, it was through them. I learned to, okay, focus on what her providers are saying, right? Don't read, I haven't read any books and really it's because I knew that I'd be setting myself up for feeling bad about myself and my mom guilt of something that maybe I did or didn't do or whatnot, right? Of having her come early. And that's a whole other story. But, um, you know, to stop comparing, just focus on your child's journey. And I think it's important for parents to know that everyone's growth trajectory, whether they're full-term or, or pre-term, is different. Yes, yes, it is. Those milestones are guidelines. That's yes. not necessarily to say on, you know, third month comes, they're going to be doing this, right? It's just a guideline. It certainly is. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about that yesterday because her baby was born prematurely and, you know, is right now in the NICU. And we talked about that. I was like, don't be concerned with that. Just focus on, is he doing better today than he did yesterday? You know, don't get so caught up. And the books don't know your child. Right. So you have to, 
you know, like you said, focus on your baby and where they are, meet them where they are so that you can help them get to that next step instead of, you know, looking at Janie's child and saying, oh, but shouldn't they, or what the milestones say. So, and also too, um, I would tell your friend just to think small steps. Don't think such big steps because small steps are much more manageable, especially when your child's in the NICU, you're really from a mental state, just all over the place, right? And emotionally, you know, if she's just given birth, like hormonally all over the place, plus this is probably not what she planned for when she thought she was giving birth. Mm -hmm. And so all of those all of those emotions weigh into the roller coaster of being happy yet sad, right? Yeah. Elated, but angry, right? So allow yourself to feel those things, but also learn to take, like handle each, each task incrementally. Don't look at the big picture, look much smaller. And that helps you enjoy the journey that much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keeps you in the moment, right? Instead of, you know, thinking so far ahead that you actually miss the moment. And that's how I lived a lot of my life. I was so focused on the future. I missed, you know, there's certain things that I was like, oh, when did that happen? Did, did that happen? I don't know. Like, you know, you just miss so much because you're worried about what's what should be happening and what could be happening and what isn't happening instead of, okay, this is where we are. And this is a beautiful moment. Right. right. And it's hard. Listen, you and I both know this. It's very hard when there are bells and whistles and tubes and all of that. And right. So it's very hard to block out all of that. Um, and again, that's probably why I, I created like the audio stories, right? So that people could listen to them while they're doing skin to skin with their child or that they could focus on positivity as opposed to why, what, you know, all of those other questions, because you could easily go down a rabbit hole and you just want to exude positivity to your child so that they feel that. Yep. So true. So true. Cause there's so many things that I missed when I visited my baby, when he was still in the incubator that, cause every time the alarm went off, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was just, they're like, sit down, he's moving. That's why. And he was one of those preemies that was very active. So they had to slant the incubator because he kept moving. <laughs> the children do, did that. So there were no bells and whistles going off, but every time one did with him, I was like, they're like, I, I, I mean, my heart was just, oh my goodness, is he okay? What's going on? Like he's moving again. And I thought, okay, but I miss so many of those moments, being able to just look at him and enjoy him because those alarms kept going off. And I'm wondering, what did they do to him? You know? Right, no, no. Or even years later, they say parents also suffer from like PTSD from having been in the NICU, those experiences, right? Sirens or bells and whistles and, and things like that. Right. Or my daughter similarly was one of those children that, you know, they'd swaddle her and she'd want to move her arms out. So she was constantly getting her arm out and then it would set off the bells and the whistles also. And um, so I, I definitely remember that. But, you know, it's also those bells and whistles are there for great things. Like I remember holding my daughter and her having an apnea episode and not breathing. Right. So it's wonderful that they have those machines 
to help. And then the doctors and the nurses come, come by and tell you what to do. Right. And it's, I think to your point about enjoying those moments, like I would sit there for hours with her on my chest, like dripping in sweat. And I would think to myself, I think I'm getting more out of this than she is. Right. (laughs) Just, just thinking that, okay, this is as close as I can be to you since you can't be inside of me, right? Yeah, and that's so important because they didn't talk about those things when my baby was born, you know, having skin to skin and all of that, you know, the baby massage and all those things. They were not topics that we talked about. We, you know, just, we just got to watch him and touch him through the um, incubator. He wasn't, I don't remember a time where they said you could take him out. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. Well, so, because they're different too. Think how strange that is, too, right? Even to walk in and be like, oh, can I hold my baby now? Versus what you think when you have a baby that that wouldn't even be a question. Exactly. Right? You wouldn't have to ask permission or that there wouldn't be all these things hooked up so that you wouldn't be afraid necessarily to hold your child. You know, um, and that's what I also say is the beauty of technology in today's day and age, right? Is that I believe all these things really helped my daughter when she was in the NICU. And, um, you know, to reframe your mindset and it's hard when you're in it, um, but I do speak to parents that are in the NICU and um, I'll either text with them or we'll do Zooms or phone calls or whatnot. And um, I tell them all the time that you might not realize it, but the NICU is a, such a special place. It's scary, but it's also really special. It's this like little bubble where the doctors and the nurses are probably the nicest people and the most supportive doctors in the whole entire world because they're dealing with parents who are so stressed out, not understanding what's going on. And yet they try and help you see that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. At the same time, you know what? Parents have to be able to digest that and also really just channel all that energy into their child into their growth and development and to their flourishing, so to speak, right? Um, You know, so that they can come home sooner. Yes, totally. And like you said, and you feel the love because the the doctors and nurses, they're there because they want to be, because it's a highly stressful environment. Yes. And you can tell that they're there because they want to be. They're a different breed of people, I think. I mean, they're like angels, I, I, I don't know how else to, to say it or how else to put it because to your point, right? The patience or the care that they are measuring the food versus their weight versus all this other stuff, right? The caffeine, everything that's going into their diet. It's, they do that because they care so much. Yeah. And And again, you know, I know parents are so fragile. I was very fragile um, during this time. But, you know, again, 
that's the need for flourish is that letting parents know there's support out there for them while they're going through this trouble time, right? Because I don't know if you knew anyone that had a preemie baby when you, I didn't. And I couldn't sit there and talk to a friend. They couldn't understand. Or when my trials came home, they were like, oh, great, she's coming home. Everything's better. And I was terrified, right? <laughs> Even more so than when she was in the hospital, right? Because where are the monitoring systems? Where's the 24-7 care, right? So it doesn't just end just because your baby comes home. There's so many other things that parents have to unpack and go through when their child comes home. There's so, I mean, there's such a huge checklist of things that as great as these doctors and nurses are, they don't really prepare parents for that, unfortunately, but they don't have the time and the resources. And, um, and that's where, where a platform like Flourish comes in. Yes, which is so vital because I know when I visited my son, you know, uh, my husband and my son at the time, um, my husband at the time and my young, my older son, when we visited him, um, we were usually the only ones in there at the time because parents came at different times. So we never got to meet any other parents. And then too, sometimes we'll go there and the baby who was there yesterday wasn't there the next day. And I was just like, oh, what happens? And of course, then I fear, is my son going to be that one, you know, and um it was very isolating. Yes. Yeah. Because, and even if you meet other parents, like we met some parents, it still is right. Because it's to the extent that someone either wants to share or, um, you know, everyone's just into their own child and their own experience. Um, and two, you were healing. I was healing, right. All of those things were going on as well. So there's just so much going on all in those moments that where do you turn to? Where do where do NICU parents or preemie parents turn to get help for themselves, not necessarily just for their child? Because the parents are traumatized too. Yes. And thank you for mentioning that because a big one of the big components that I look at too is self-care. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot be the best parent for your child at, in the moment because you're tired. You're, you know, all the things that keeps you from really focusing on your baby and giving them that, um, the best of you and the best chance and the best, you know, to have those outcomes and meet those milestones. Yeah. I mean, if your fuel tank is empty, right? And how could you... How could you? But you know, it, it, self care is so important. But and it always goes to like the bottom of the list because I think parents feel guilty. Well, how could I go and meet a friend, or how could I go and I don't know, get my nails done? Whatever it is that would make you feel more like yourself, while your child is there struggling in the hospital. But what parents don't realize is that the best thing you could do for your child is to go and do those things. Because then you come back to the NICU better with better energy and just a whole different outlook. And then you can channel that into your child. That's it. You know, I think being able to look in the mirror and smile 
you know, then you're like, oh, I've done something for me. So now, like you said, the energy, your energy changes and right. your child can sense that energy and they will be yeah. there for it. Or even seeking out help, right? There's nothing wrong with getting help. Like seeking out someone like me or other people out there who have been in your shoes. Yeah. I think it's a very different thing if you can sympathize with someone then empathize with someone especially in this situation most people cannot empathize with their child having had to with with leaving their child in the hospital when they go home at night with having an empty nursery while their child is in the hospital and they are at home most people cannot adequately empathize or you know, I also think there's this unspoken bond between parents that have had their child in the NICU, kind of like you just get it and you don't have to fully explain everything, but we somehow get each other. Right. Yeah. Those shared experiences, they matter. They truly do. They truly do. And I think, you know, just, just seeking out the help is really, really important because that just snowballs into everything else, right? Getting help for yourself, then you can get help for your child. And it trickles down to everything, every aspect of your life, even your relationship with your spouse or partner or something like that, right? All of that matters. It certainly does. And, you know, Jody, I want to be mindful of your time because, I mean, we've been chatting, I mean, only maybe half of it's been recorded, but we've been on here for <laughs> an hour now. And like I told you, I wish I'd recorded everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's one thing you want parents to leave this moment with, what would that be? I would say to parents that you and your child or children are much stronger than you know. I think it's easy to sit there and and, and feel um, kind of defeated and upset and, you know, feel guilty about the situation. I did it too. But you know what? You put one foot in front of the other because you have to. You walk into the NICU and you know what? Your child is going to feed off of that energy. And like I said to you earlier, I can't help but think that babies that have had to fight since day one will be able to call upon that energy and those resources when they get on later in life and when they're met with challenges and obstacles, their muscles have memory. They'll be like, oh, I got this. I've had to fight before. I can't help but think that these experiences will serve them well as they go on later in life. Oh, I agree totally. Like I was telling you before too, that my son became a double A hockey player. And I mean, he was amazing. They called him the train because he was unstoppable. And I'm looking at this little preemie, you know, like, and he's still not very big, but he's, you know, genetics, but, um, <laughs> but he went on that ice and, you know, his coach would tell him if the guy's twice your size and twice your height, skate around him, my baby would go right to them, jump <laughs> them because he had that resilience that, you know, um, that well, that strength it. and tenacity. Yes, yes. And he's had to since day one, just as you have had to have that for him too. Absolutely. And Miss Jody, how can people get a hold of you? 
People can find me online at www.flourish.com. It's spelled F-L-R-R-I-S-H. They can also um, Instagram me at Flourish, F-L-R-R-I-S-H. Same with TikTok and LinkedIn and Facebook. Or they can email me at hello at flourish.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Miss Jody. It's been an amazing experience for me. And thank I, you. Thank you. You're welcome. I know our audience just enjoyed this. They will enjoy it once they hear it because it's so packed with a lot of information. And um, to our audience, thank you for listening to our podcast on Spotify and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you can parent with confidence. <laughs>